0: following is a continuation of our study looking at our union with Christ. We hope you enjoy. Okay, tonight we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. We are going to continue looking at this idea of our union with Christ and tonight we're going to look at our union and sanctification. Does everybody know what sanctification is? Somebody take a stab at defining it for me. What's sanctification? Getting sanctified. Becoming holy. That's a great answer. Uh, So sanctification is our becoming more like Jesus in everything that we do. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 6. So go ahead and turn there. We're going to be reading verses 1 to 14. Before we do that, let me pray for us as we open God's Word. Gracious Heavenly Father, I do pray that as we read your Word, Lord, we know your Word has power, and we ask that by the power of your Word that we would be changed tonight and that we would be more sanctified, Lord, that we become more like you in not only our actions but also our knowledge of you. And I just pray for these students as we wrestle with this tonight, what this looks like and what this looks like for us in community. Just bless us and bless your Word. We pray all of in Christ's name. Amen. John Newton was a hymn writer. He wrote Amazing Grace, his most famous hymn. He says this, I'm not what I might be, I'm not what I ought to be, and I'm not what I wish to be. I am not what I hope to be, but I thank God that I'm not who I once was. I thank God that I'm not who I once was. And I can say with the great apostle, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And what he's really trying to communicate there is he's obviously still a sinner. He's not who he wants to be. He's not who he ought to be. But he thanks God that Jesus has changed his heart. And that's our mantra in our sanctification, that we recognize that we are still sinners. We recognize that we still fall short. But we thank God and we praise him for who he's made us to be and how he constantly works in our hearts. We're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be able to do things exactly as Jesus did. But He does invite us in to this thing called holiness, this thing called sanctification, because He wants us to draw near Him. He wants us to experience what it's like to become more like Jesus. See, the only reason we can really thank God that we aren't who we used to be is because He's done the work. Because He's changed us and because of what He's done. And it's our unity with Christ that brings us to this point where we are moving towards heaven, moving towards eternity, and moving towards a life of change. For some people, their sanctification is a very slow process. For others, it may seem like a quick thing, but we're all constantly going towards the cross, constantly going towards Jesus, and he helps us by giving us the Spirit. So tonight we're going to look at our union with Christ. It provides us with sanctification, and that sanctification is incredibly effective So if you're taking notes, that's our main point. Union with Christ provides sanctification, and sanctification is incredibly effective in community. So let's look at Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you, for since you are not under the law, but under grace. So, right off the bat, we see this whole thing of union with Christ going on here. Baptized into Christ. I hope you see it just permeating this passage here. We're connected through Jesus through a bunch of different things. His death in verse 3. His burial, verse 4. His resurrection, verse 5. His crucifixion, verse 6. And his life in verse 8. So Paul is really pressing into this whole union thing. And it's because of that union that we can be sanctified. That we can have newness of life. And like I said last night, this isn't just some abstract concept for us to think about. This is a reality that we have if we are following Christ. That we have all these things. We're connected to his death, his burial, resurrection, crucifixion, his life. And all that does change us. Trusting in Christ, then we are new. He gives us new life. He gives us a new heart. He helps us by his spirit to be able to follow him. We can't understand this book unless we're unified to Christ. We can't understand what it means, and we can't understand what He calls us to unless Jesus is at work. In 1 Corinthians one thirty, Paul says, "And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption." In 2 Corinthians 5:21, is one of my favorite passages in, in Paul's letters, "For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness." God. And as we're connected with Jesus, we become more like him. He calls us to a newness of life in verse 4, and this is how we're to walk. In 1 Corinthians 5, 17, Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Becoming a Christian isn't just about making your life better, it's about becoming more like our Savior. We aren't the same as we once were. We're never going to be who we wish we could be but we are no longer who we once were. Sometimes we may still act the same. Sometimes we may wish that we were still like our old self. Sometimes it may seem so hard to be a Christian in this world, but Jesus calls us to live unto him. We've been united by Jesus' death. His death accomplished our salvation like we talked about last night, and that changes us through his death. We are made anew. We're connected to him through his crucifixion. The old self was crucified at the cross. And think about what that means. What that means is, in a moment on the cross, your destination for hell was taken away from you. Think about that, how powerful that is. Jesus, in that moment of sacrifice for you, he essentially said, you are now mine. Hannah, you're mine. Jack, you're mine. Emma, you're mine. John Mark, you are mine. And no one can take that away. That's such a beautiful thing. Sin was brought to nothing, as he says here. Sometimes our sin can seem like this overpowering thing that we just can't get control of. That's the point. You're never meant to get control of your sin. Jesus has control over that. Jesus is going to bring that to nothing in your life. doesn't mean you will be free of all your sin. doesn't mean that the particular sins that you may struggle with will automatically go away but it does mean that they don't have the power over you to lead you towards where you deserve to go. But rather, Jesus has you. He's working in you. Sometimes it hurts, and that's a good thing. But he's working in you for the purpose of drawing us closer to him. Now, in that, there is a responsibility that we have. So there's a reality that we are being sanctified by Jesus, and it's his work But he also invites us into that. And he does give us a role in our sanctification. And this is a fine balance that we have to be very careful how we talk about it. Because, yes, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean that we work out our salvation for ourselves and we get it for ourselves. But what it does mean is that he calls us to live a certain way. That's why we have things like the Ten Commandments. It's not good for you to kill people. It's not good for you to... Disobey your parents, or to covet, or to steal. Those things are ways to glorify God. He wants us to do those things. He doesn't want us to do those things. He wants us not. You know what I mean. He doesn't want you to kill people, okay? But he wants us to draw closer to him by following what he commands. Now, who here has ever tried to be perfect and listen to everything that this book tells us to do? We've all been in that moment where we're like, dang it, I messed up again. I've got to do this perfectly. The point of the scriptures, the point of the Ten Commandments, the point of all of God's commands is we recognize our weakness and we come to him. So the responsibility, it's very small on our part. In fact, it doesn't really play a role in the end product. It doesn't play a role in our salvation, but it does play a role in how we interact with Jesus here on this earth. Christ didn't die to take away our sin and reset us, okay? Can you imagine what that would be like if he just kind of put us back at our basic states and just said, okay, I've forgiven your sins, now, now try again. Right? Can you imagine how stressful that would be? We would go right back to the old self in like five seconds, right? I know I would. We would end up back at our old self every single time. And it's why I really do appreciate it. And I'm a Presbyterian minister. I'm going to throw Reformed theology at you all day long because I love it. I love it. I love our theology because our theology is never going to rend us towards this treadmill where we're always feeling like, ugh, Jesus, I messed up again. I got to do ten times better tomorrow. And it's going to be on me. Or, man, why can't I just get rid of this sin? If only I prayed more, if only I just did these things, I could get over this sin. But rather, our theology, the way that we understand Scripture, Reformed theology is always going to point us back to the fact that. Yeah, you messed up, but it's okay. Jesus loves you. He's going to help you. It's his power, not yours. I hate relying on myself because I know how much of a failure I could be when it comes to my sin. We have to lean into what Jesus tells us. And he says to what? To lean into him and trust in him. Which is, again, why in verse 6. He says, We know the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to it. Now, We need to read this carefully because it doesn't just mean that when Jesus brings us to himself, that all of a sudden the sins that we struggle with so much on a daily basis are, oh, we're no longer slaves to those things. They're just gone. That's not what it means. It means that sin doesn't have that power over you. You have the ability through Jesus to flee from your sin. Now, that will look different for all of us, right? Some people are going to be able to get completely free of specific sins that they struggle with. Some may struggle to the day they die. But the point is that we are to have, what one of my favorite writers, Eugene Peterson, he wrote a book called a Long Obedience in the Same Direction. And that just means that we are constantly looking towards something. We're constantly seeking to obedience to something. We're always to be looking towards the cross, and that's our guide. And we're always to continue walking towards it. It doesn't mean we won't stumble along the way. It doesn't mean that we won't take a few steps backwards along the way. But it means we're always going towards it. So, again, in verse 10, and this is so comforting for us. He says, For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Okay? The fact that he did it once and for all is such a beautiful picture. Okay? It's not like Jesus has to sacrifice himself for every single sin that we do. Okay? Can you imagine how many times he would have to do that for you? Giddy, you're good at math. You couldn't even come up with the number for me. Okay? Uh, <laughs> and he's shaking his head like, Man, she's such a sin. He doesn't care about that list. He only cares about you. And the fact that you are his, unified to him, and your union with him, that's all that matters. You are his, and that has no effect on anything you do. But again, that doesn't mean we just sit back and sin all day long, because we know that grace will abound. But it means that we are to lean into Jesus, trusting in him. Let not sin reign over your mortal bodies we are to be listening to how he teaches us we're to be listening to what he says and we're called to pursue good things this whole idea that sin will not have dominion over us anymore this is a promise that it won't rule us to the point where we are just so beaten down and we are destined for hell again but Christ has dominion over you and it doesn't matter if you struggle with that particular sin until the day you die he has redeemed you you're unified to him It would be awesome if we could just pray and ask Jesus to just take away all of our sins and just make us live perfectly holy lives, and we would never sin again. But we live in a broken world, and that's the reality that we have to face each and every day. And that's why he gives us gifts like the Bible, to show us, uh, to help us to see the areas that we fall short, and to lean into him. The Holy Spirit is the way that this all happens. The Holy Spirit guides us. He helps us to understand the scriptures. He helps us to flee from our sin. He helps us to recognize sins that we don't even recognize as sins ourselves. So what does this mean for us? When I was interning in seminary, I was working for a church in North Carolina, and I led a couple of different Bible studies throughout the week, and I had some personality quirks. You can imagine me. I had some personality quirks. Right? And some of these personality quirks were frustrating people. Some of these personality quirks had offended some people. So, in my own sin, in my own pride, and a bunch of other things, some responsibilities were taken away from me. I don't like that, right? I don't like people taking away my responsibility. But, the reason that happened was in order to draw me back to Jesus, and to show me that I need to step back from my role, and focus on my own heart, and things going on in my own life. The sins that are happening in my heart and say, you know what? I need to spend more time in the scriptures. I need to spend more time praying. And I need to spend less time telling other people what to do and more time listening to what Jesus is telling me to do. And honestly, it was one of the coolest things that's ever happened to me because my youth pastor kind of took that responsibility away and he stood in front of my sin and said, no more. He said, we're going to take care of this. And some really awesome things happen from that you know again I hate it when people take away my stuff okay I don't like not teaching I don't like not leading Bible studies I don't like not teaching small groups but stepping away from that and focusing on the things that needed to be focused on were life changing and incredible and helpful for my sanctification so we have a responsibility to hear God's word to hear what he's teaching us and to live according to it and we have a responsibility to help each other do the same can you imagine fighting in a war with somebody who says, I've got your back and then when the bolts start flying and you look and he's running in the other direction, is that helpful for you? Do you feel like he's got your back anymore? No. We as believers have to have each other's backs. We as believers have to be encouraging one another, strengthening one another, and in some cases calling each other out. And that's the part we don't like. Who here loves their stuff just on the table? Like, come and expose all of my faults. Right? Nobody. Nobody. It's a hard thing, but Jesus calls us to do that in a loving way. There's a right way and a wrong way to do that, but he calls us to do it. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to close with this. we we'll mean verses 11 to 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul is telling us here is that the church is meant to grow together. In community, we are to be sanctified together. It doesn't mean that when Caleb is saved by grace that automatically I'm saved by grace. But what it means is as we're growing towards Jesus, I'm to be encouraging Caleb. He's to be encouraging me. I'm to challenge Caleb. He's to be challenging me. I'm to call Caleb out on this sin in a loving way. He's to call me out on my sin in a loving way. So how do we do that? Honestly, there's no tried and true method. No, it's going to be different for every situation. Everybody's got personalities. Everybody's got weaknesses. and We have to be willing to understand each other and know each other well enough to be able to do that. Okay, So if we had a visitor that walked in the room and I just called him out on everything, right? Would that be comfortable? Would that be helpful? No. But I know somebody, and I know their heart, and I know their struggles, and I'm able to engage them in a loving, godly, Christ-like way. God's going to enter into that, and He's going to help us. If we're doing it from a heart of love, and honestly, when, when we have to do that for one another, we need to be praying for while we do that for one another. And we need to be humble enough to hear this from one another. We don't just have to do it for others, we have to be willing to hear it as well. Because our union with Jesus draws us closer to Jesus, draws us closer to each other, in order that we might grow and be sanctified together. My old senior pastor used to say this, the grace that saves is also the grace that transforms. At the heart of this is that we are one with Jesus. So we are saved, we are transformed by sanctification. And as a youth group, as a church, as, as being part of this Christian faith as a whole, we are to be sanctifying one another in grace, loving each other in the process, and always be pointing each other to Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, forgive us of our sins, Grow us closer to you, sanctify us, and teach us to be an encouragement to one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen thank you for tuning in we hope this has been helpful for you please keep an eye out for more audio upcoming from WIN.